they say some people, oh, they have a hard time pitching. I say, you know, if, if you're having a startup, if you're in a tech business, even if you have a well-established business, pitching and selling is part of the primary goal. So you as the founder don't need to be the sales guy uh, or a woman, but you better have the sales guy or woman on speed dial because it's always going to come down to that at the end of the day. <laughs> Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Travel Simpson. And with only the funds from his tax return in 2016, Travel started the Drive Group and has since grown it into a multi-million dollar company and his history of working in startup environments across varying industries really helped him to develop the skills of identifying smart risks and knowing when to step back and when to push forward. And after several years of working for large organizations such as Davis and Henderson, the Royal Bank of Canada, Genworth, Annulife, and as a chief operating officer for Chevelle Service Capital, Travelle was inspired to start a company that focused on trends and analysis to help businesses achieve consistent cash flow. In the beginning, this kernel of an idea was fueled by his feeling that there must be a better way to do business. And that core value is still true of the Drive Group today. The Drive Group has grown from a business consultancy company to a venture capital and real estate development organization that prides itself on partnering with innovative people and companies. Beyond his business success, Travel is also an acclaimed artist and speaker, and his ability to combine his knowledge of entrepreneurship, the political and economic landscape, and social trends help make him our guest speaker today. So we're going to learn more about Travel, and we're going to learn about some of the things that he's done in his past, and we're going to talk some really cool stuff. So stay tuned for that. But first, it's time for our Marketing Essentials Moment the basics that you need to continue to help you build your brand and your bottom line. Today's topic on the Marketing Essentials Moment is about future casting. It's the practice of considering possible futures in your industry and how your organization might respond to them. So for example, if we are looking at what could happen in the next six weeks, six years, six months, all of those things, what are some scenarios that we could think about that could potentially happen if a number of things occur, right? If this, then that. And so we're looking at what stories or what narratives could be told if these things occur. And it's not to have, in, you know, induce fear or anything like that. It's more about doing the research, understanding your industry, what are the trends, what are some comprehensive analysis that you can do to help you predict what could potentially happen in the future. What are your competitors doing? What are the current industry trends? What are some maybe historic data points of what could help you predict into the future? What are some new technologies? What are some new AI tools that you could incorporate into your processes, into your industry, into your organization? Who are some of the top influencers? What are they talking about? in your industry and publicly into the people, what is happening within your world that could then make you ultimately shape and do some future casting within your organization. 
What are some big moves that are being made and what do you need to do to stay ahead of the curve? That way, then the competitors are looking to you and trying to follow instead of being the leaders. You can then be the thought leader because you are making some predictions, making some innovations, doing some things to help uh, curve the, the, the way forward, right? Couple things that you can do is listening to your customers. What are some things that are commonly coming up that they have in pain points or what are their wants? What are their needs? What do they don't even know that they need yet that you could help, you know, tell that story and give that, you know, keep an eye on the pulse of what those unmet needs are. And what can you do to help solve some problems? Is it products? Is it services? Is it process improvements? What is it that you can do? And then again, tell that narrative, tell that story about what it could be, that scenario of how you can plan that into place. And it also helps prepare your staff, your employees to then be able to find those indicators of what could then make that prediction come true. So planning out those scenarios, planning out some role plays, um, understanding what your customers are saying and role play it out. What kind of things are they getting at that you need to know about? And then you can use this future casting to help design your future. What is it that you're going to be doing and how are you going to use this arsenal of narratives that you're coming up with, these scenarios that you're that you're putting out there to be able to use to your advantage. And of course, modifications can always be made as things occur that you didn't even predict because we sometimes don't know what we don't know yet. So using future casting as a part of your strategy in your business in your marketing and how you can use that to your advantage. That is what I want you to continuously think about. Even if it's just once a month, think about what your future holds. Even if it's, you know, quarterly, if you had only the time to do it quarterly. Obviously, weekly is even better, sometimes even daily. If you're reading, researching, understanding, listening to your customers, doing all those things that can help you navigate what your future will look like. And especially with all these AI tools and predictive elements that are out there now that can help us with understanding the change that's happening and, and is going to happen, right? <laughs> things that happened last week may not happen again and it's gonna continue to change, right? The only constant is change. So how can you prepare for it? What can you do to prepare your staff, your vendors, your customers to all think about what's going to be happening in the future and how do you how do you incentivize everyone to be a part in this in this scenario and this play that you're creating that will then prepare you for your future okay with that said let's get into the interview Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition community. And I'm excited to have Travel with us today. Welcome to the show, Travel. Thank you so much for having me, Ray. It's a, it's a pleasure. It was fun to find out that you have played football and have been to some of the places that my older son is now going. And so that was kind of what really uh, started our conversation. Obviously, we'll get to marketing, but share a little bit about your background and kind of what got you to where you are now, Travel. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's an interesting journey. Obviously, um, it, it didn't quite start with football, but I credit football so much. I always say that you know, the place that taught me politics was a football locker room just because of all the different people that walked through there. That's a good um, way to put it, for sure. 
you know, you got your lineman, you got your you got your quarterback who's probably going to be the governor of California. You got your running back who knows everybody, you know. So it's a, it's an exciting place to sort of to, to to grow up as a young man. But um, I digress. So my name is Travell Simpson. I'm the president and founder of the Drive Group. I'm born and raised in Toronto, Canada, from uh, Jamaican parents um, who were Jamaican immigrants. Um, I, I sort of spent my time in school as a, as a decent student, you know. Uh, it's funny, I say I grew up in Toronto, but I'm pretty sure I'm from Texas because growing up, it was all about God, family, and football. <laughs> so yeah. um spent my time enjoying that. Was able to go to the York University, uh, to the University of York in, uh, in, in Toronto, Canada, studying political science with a minor in economics. Uh, when I left, I had you know pretty strong political indications. I thought I wanted to be a campaign manager or a party whip. Um, but, you know, you volunteer for guys and they lose. Uh, but while I was while I was working, uh, in, or while I was in school, I was working, and I worked in uh, risk mitigation. So I was doing sort of risk analysis for banks. I worked for a company called Millennium One Solutions. I've been with RBC, which is the Royal Bank of Canada. I did mortgage audits for Genworth, which is the uh, uh, the largest private mortgage insurance option here in the country. So I had a, a great benefit to to sort of have a, a leg out a good sort of corporate career, um, but kind of always wanted to be in business for myself. So took the knowledge, took all that acumen and started the drive group in uh, 2016. It started as a trading think tank. So I used my sort of political knowledge plus my time in those institutions and we did risk analysis on the market. So most people do risk analysis on individual stocks, individual companies, individual pairings. What we felt is we wanted to give a holistic view on an assessment of the market as a whole. Where's unemployment going? Where's inflation going? How is that impacting the stuff that you're taking? Um, how does that then determine your investment strategies? Um, how many high-risk stocks can you do given a certain economic climate? How many low-risk stocks can you do? That also had us do sort of daily consulting on um, intermittent inter- intraday trading. So it kind of started out pretty fun there in, in, in 2016, something I've been learning and applying for myself since 2014. Uh, in 2017, I think we opened our doors more to, to, to sort of acquiring private invite-only clients on that consulting ser- service and work, and then also put our legs into venture. So we love startup businesses, accelerating businesses, and then obviously the goal was to eventually parlay that into real estate. Coming out of COVID, seeing how things had adjusted, I read a, I was I was so enamored by articles on Rupert Murdoch and just decided that media was a place that we wanted to have our footprint. So here in 2023, we started uh, Spoke Podcast Network, which houses our uh, our informational content podcast, our business content podcast, as well as some other lifestyle podcasts. And we have some some strong goals and visions for that, just because I think information is 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 is, is important to be a part of. Um, and yeah, I guess that'd be us in a nutshell: just a a, a political science learning, football playing, uh, market loving Canadian. <laughs> I love it. From Texas, not really, but <laughs> exactly transplant from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yep, God, uh, football and country and all the good things. So that's it. So okay, um, I because somebody like you who is enamored with the market and the trends, and you know everyone keeps talking about when the recession comes, or some people are like. Well, the recession is among us, or you know, it's just an interesting thing. Depending on what industry and who you talk to, who says it is coming or not, and you having kind of the political side of things, right? The election year can impact things. I'm just curious, like where where are we headed? Where are we going in your eyes for the next? I don't know, 
three, six, nine months to a year. I don't know. You tell me what kind of future casting can you share? And obviously, you know, all of the things that you can and can't say, keep that in mind and, you know, no disclaimers, all the disclaimers, all that kind of good stuff. Cause this is just, you know, a podcast about marketing, but I just love to hear kind of your take on, on what's happening with our market right now and where we're headed. Yeah, I, I, I'll preface, you know, going with what you said, I'll preface by saying this, Jamie Dimon, who's the head of, you know, one of the largest banks in the world, bank conglomerates in the world, says that forecasting is a is a, is a a gamble, right? You're kind of taking everything you know, and then you're making a guess, right? So the, the goal yeah. is to make as educated a guess as possible. So I'll hold my hand up. Coming into 2023, I thought we'd have a pretty strong economic downturn. I I, I, I knew, and what, what every economist knew, is that the Fed was in a position where it would have to raise interest rates. And all of the tea leaves were suggesting that we were also in a high inflation period. So you raise interest along with inflation, usually you you create enough stress factors where the economy sort of breaks to reset itself, um, that you would just have too much pressure in the balloon. Um, but credit, I guess, to the resiliency of individuals, to their willingness to to do the right thing, you know, to keep paying their mortgages, to to adjust, to go into their savings. We haven't seen that. This year. So we're already in September or we're about, well, yeah, depending on when this comes out, we're already in September. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a number of interest rate hikes. We've seen inflation hold at dangerous levels, but we haven't seen unemployment run amok. We haven't seen defaults run amok. They're staying within ranges um, that are acceptable to the to the economic forecast. So what that tells us is that the possibility of a huge economic downturn that we assumed might happen this year uh, didn't you know? We we kind of wrote it out a lot better than than some economists were assuming. Um, now, for me, the factors that I felt would have caused an economic downturn last year technically are, are lightening up. I, I I don't necessarily think we'll have a massive amount of interest rate increases going into next year um, because they've they've increased it so much already. And I do think if inflation will eventually begin to to turn around, but. That being said, uh, just the other day, I saw, uh, you know, I was trying to learn and lead from other people in the space. Michael Burry, for those who know, uh, that, that's going to be from um, uh, uh, from that movie played by Christian Bale. Uh, but Michael Burry is the guy who essentially bet the housing cra- the, the housing market crash, mm. uh, which he played by Christian Bale in a big short. And he put a $1.6 billion bet that the stock market's going to crash. His assessment is that the factors are the same. Um, and that all we did, we were sort of able to weather a storm, but the elastic is still tight. So if you think of an elastic band that you're stretching, 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 the concept is I, I had an assumption that that elastic would eventually snap. Because we passed the time where I thought it would snap and it hasn't, I'm thinking, oh, maybe the elastic's going to lose tension. His, his assumption is that, no, the tension is still present and we have a couple more stretches in there that we don't think the elastic will be able to take. So there's dissenting opinion, but I think beyond the forecast of what I think will happen, what I do want to give people and, and sort of our Federal Reserve and, and individuals credit for is that the, all the factors were in place for us to have an economic downturn this year. And I think thanks to people's good hard work and, and intelligence, that didn't happen. And, and for me, that's been the biggest takeaway, that the resiliency of people really showed itself this year. Um, because, you know, we had banks closed down. We had massive changes to cryptocurrency, right? Uh, throughout COVID, multiple millions of dollars were in the crypto space. You had the collapse of FTX. You have setting hearings. And even in the midst of all that, uh, you still found people willing to go to work and pay their mortgages. And I think that's a credit to the human experience. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, people have gone through so much and resiliency is key there. And like you said, they're doing the right thing, even though they may not be spending as much as they otherwise could or would. 
it does seem like we're, we're kind of getting through it. You know, it's, it's, people are cautiously optimistic, I think is kind of the terms I've heard. Is that mm-hmm. correct to you too? Yeah. I think cautious optimism, there's a sense that, Hey, well, you know, if we made it through, through this run, mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily sure what the next one's going to be, but we like our chances. Yeah. Um, white collar layoffs started. So at the start of the year, white collar layoffs, those are usually the ones that tip out uh, on, on, um, they're usually going to tip out uh, an increase in unemployment. If you lay off white collar workers, you're you're essentially punting on the experience because you're acknowledging you invested a lot to train these people and still won't want to keep them employed. Mm-hmm. Those were still happening, but they didn't accelerate as much. You see a lot of those corporations holding flat. So we'll see. Are they still happening? Yes. Do we still have interest rate increases coming in? Yes. Has inflation totally cooled off? No. So are all the factors still there to possibly cause an issue? Absolutely. I do still think people should be cautious. Um, but I thought housing price would take a bath. It didn't. It kind of just cooled off. So, you know, let's, because the, usually what happens is in a high interest rate, high inflation society, to cover their bills, people will start to dump their house at a discount. Once they dump the first house at a discount, all the other comps now have to sell at a discount. And then you start to see a massive change in housing price. More than 90% of uh, people in North America hold most of their value in their homes. So you'd be killing their highest asset value by, you know, five, then six, then seven, then eight, then nine, then ten percent, twenty percent, and then you start to see a collapse in the housing market, which leads to unemployment, which leads to, which leads to, which leads to, which leads to. Um, also, at the start of the year, we had a massive issue with the debt ceiling that they made incredibly political. We were able to navigate out of that. I mean, granted, we did it at the one yard line with a couple of seconds left, but technically, we did not default on the debt, which would have been the first time in U.S. history. I was worried about that at the start of the year, so. We, we've navigated a lot of the, the, the tougher things. Um, and then now, now is the, comes the fun part because we're a year away from an election. Um, and I got to be honest with you, as a political science major, this thing is shaping up in a way that I did not assume. It, is, it, is, uh, it, it, it just kind of shows you you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see how all of this turns out and what's changed as a result of the previous election and what happened there and what's going mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's going to be quite fascinating to watch. And you being in Canada, I mean, you probably, you know, keep on with what's going on in the United States with what's what trending and, and everything. So I'm curious, actually, from your perspective, looking mm-hmm. in to the United States, like, what do you think about all that's happened mm-hmm. <laughs> recently with previous, you know, indications or indictments or things that have occurred mm-hmm. to now mm-hmm. how looking forward I mean, what do you think as a as a Canadian looking at you know United States? Like, what is your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think to okay. So let, let's try and thread the needle here. We'll, we'll thread we'll thread the eye of a very tight needle. Um, I think yeah. So first of all, being your neighbors to the north, I always say that both America. I'm, personally, I throw Canada in there. Some of the greatest places to live in the world because we have peaceful neighbors to the north and to the south, right? So. You know, America doesn't have to worry about us, you know, coming down there for for the uh, for the buffalo wings, and I, I don't quite think you guys are going to storm the gates for the maple syrup. So I always <laughs> I always think that there's something nice about that, right? We we look at other places in the world having friendly neighbors on your border is critical, um, which is why it's such a talking point. What in the states? What happens with Mexico? Because there's a sense that we want to, you know, you want to protect your borders. Um, so I understand that, and I, I don't take that for granted as a Canadian uh, politically. I think what's interesting is that truth is now no longer objective. It's incredibly subjective. 
So from the outside looking in as a Canadian, I think what's interesting is I can ask two people how they feel about a former president being uh, indicted, and I will get two totally different answers based off the same facts. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more and more that that increases, we kind of have it here as well. We have, you know, we have a multiple party system, but it's first past the post. And I think that what we're seeing more and more, both in Canada and the U.S., is that the two-party system in today's society, where people exist in such polar opposite spectrums of even truth, is now starting to show us its cracks. Mm. Because now you have people that are just doubling down on um, their side, right? You, you hear statements like blue no matter who or red until you're dead, and you're seeing the damage of that type of perspective because... You know, we're a far cry away. I'll put it to you this way. And it's American history. You know, uh, Nixon steps down. Gerald Ford, day one, pardons Richard Nixon because he says that the office of the president cannot handle uh, illegal proceedings against a former president. It was the first thing he did. And, you know, whatever you think of American history, whatever you feel about that decision, we now sit in a society where a previous sitting president who was running for re-election uh, has more cases on him than Tupac. You know? so, <laughs> yes. It's definitely an interesting, fascinating, unprecedented, <laughs> you know, uh, occurrence that's, that's that's occurring right now. And just watching it unfold is, it's, uh, it can be, it can be entertaining almost, you know? <laughs> I think wherever, wherever you fall on that, wherever you fall on that, I think that that tells us something about our systems, not even necessarily our candidates. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put it to you this way. The first, I think the first presidential election, you had George Washington, who's a, who's a general, I think, uh, Colonel Jefferson ran, who was, who wrote the Declaration of Independence in 24. He had some real heavy hitters, you know, 2024, uh, one of the richest, most powerful nations in the world. It's looking like it's going to have to decide between, uh, an, an, you know, an older gentleman, Mm-hmm. who some could argue should be allowed to retire and, and, and not hold, you know, high stress office and, and Joseph Biden or uh, someone subjected of committing a federal crime in, uh, in, in Donald Trump. And I only say that because obviously the, the, the primaries are still going on, but as it stands now, should Donald Trump lose his lead, it'd be the biggest comeback in primary history. No GOP candidate has lost it a lead this large, this close uh, to, to the election. So, I think that just has us wanting to look at our systems. I hope that bipartisan commentary and conversation will prevail. That, that's what I'd say as a Canadian. You hope that people can start talking again and get into real truth. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the, I think the scary the scary observation is that truth now seems to be not a measure of of uh, uh, of objectivity, but subjectivity. Well, and there is something to be said about that. No one wants to bring it up or talk about it because no one wants to reveal where they stand or where they think or, you know, have the conversations to have their, their opinions persuaded or, or they'll just dig their heels in and no one wants to have those ugly conversations anymore. And so everyone, I feel like not everyone, but a lot of people just tend to avoid the political conversation now. And it's not something people want to bring up anymore as, as it used to be, you know, around the dinner table, people would talk about it, whether you agreed or disagreed. And now just no one wants to discuss it in my, you know, recent, you know, kind of just observations of what people talk about. And you just, you just don't go there anymore. You just don't talk about politics anymore. Are you, are you seeing that? I mean, I know you're a political science major, but is this something that you're experiencing too, where people just don't want to talk about politics? 
Yeah, I mean, I've seen it more and more, and and I'm I would like to say that both as an individual and as a company, we're trying to fight that. So at the Drive Group, we've we started to wait. We started a show called Politicking. We started to wade into the water of political commentary, not from a perspective, but I think from fairly trying to have the conversation. Um, because I don't know that it helps. Again, I think that you know the the, the ideas of the two party system only work in the event that both sides can talk. If you have a two party system and both sides aren't talking then you actually technically now need more political parties because there's no way that, you know, the entire intentions, the entire demands, the entire hopes and dreams of a nation of almost 400 million people could be represented across two political spectrums. It, it's more nuanced than that. And if you're, and then the only way you are able to come and get to that nuance is by sort of crossing aisles and, and having open conversations. Same thing here in Canada. I mean, we're population one I think one-tenth the size of yours, about 40 million people. And it's true of us, you know, that that one party, two parties, three parties, four parties is not enough to reflect all of our intentions. It requires sort of a collaborative effort to, to represent your populace. So, yeah, people aren't wanting to talk, but I think we're trying to find tasteful and smart ways to, to force that conversation to happen because we think it's important. I agree. Well, the more it comes up, the more people are going to have to start talking about it, especially during this upcoming election year. And it's just going to be... Uh, something that people will be not necessarily forced to talk about, but I think it's on the forefront of everyone's mind and how it'll change the trajectory of what will happen in our marketplace, what will happen with our stocks and our inflation and, and you know a lot of different driving factors based on what occurs at the polls and who ends up winning and how it's going <laughs> to change the direction of our country and and you know all of North America too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be an interesting time. And now it's time for a message from one of our partners, Kitcaster. Did you know that podcasts are a great way to grow your personal and business brand? And Kitcaster is a podcast booking agency that specializes in developing real human connections through podcast appearances. We've had several guests from Kitcaster on the Marketing Expedition podcast as well. So if you're an expert in your field, have a unique story to share, or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with Kitcaster. You can expect a completely customized concierge service from their staff of communication experts. Kitcaster is your secret weapon in podcasting for business. Your audience is waiting to hear from you. Go to kitcaster.com expedition to apply for a special offer for friends of this podcast. So Travel, because we're going on a marketing expedition, I'm going to drive us down the road of marketing and advertising and promotions and storytelling and those types of things that you work with. How do you see the next, I don't know, six months in the marketing realm, what people are going to be spending on marketing, what kinds of um, tactics might be taken, what kind of strategies we want to employ, what kind of perspective can you share with our audience in terms of going on a marketing journey in the next few months? Yeah, my journey with marketing, I think, has been vast. I mean, I had the benefit of my career uh, of being the head of operations for a tech startup. Um, and I did that for about four and a half years, learned, learned a great deal. And we, we were always trying different ways to market um, because it was a product, right? So we were always looking to drive a social audience, to have large telegram groups. We would do different giveaways. Uh, we would have different milestones for people to create videos, to create word of mouth. But I think what I'm seeing a lot with marketing is kind of something I used to see that, that it's funny, musicians used to do this really well, which was sort of just content. 
And I'll explain what it means. There are times where you find a company or a business, you've never heard of it before, but when you go to their YouTube or you go to their Instagram and you see a back catalog of content that's, you know, six months, seven months, eight months, 10 months, what it's telling us, you know, one year, two years, three years, there's a greater sense of consumer confidence because even though they weren't there to see you create that content, the idea that it exists creates legitimacy from them to you. Their concept is, okay, look, they've been doing it for a long time. They've been committed to doing it. Look how much videos, pictures, and images that exist here. So I think for us, what I want a lot of businesses to be able to do, and we're looking at things in different phases now at the drive group, not every marketing dollar is to reap benefit now. So whereas before I used to look at marketing from a quarterly perspective. So if I spend a dollar in month one, I kind of want to see how that dollar is producing revenue by month three, right? My marketing expense for the quarter has to produce something. And I'm not saying that we're doing away with that, but we're sort of stretching that out to entire year plans. So a dollar I spend in January, I might not expect to see benefit from it until December, but I'm, I'm mapping that out. And I think it's because there's a there's a cost to content creation that you won't necessarily see dividends from immediately, but you, you sort of need those presences there so that when you do introduce calls to action, when you do introduce um, contests, competitions, that there's a look of your business that 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 sort of that sort of helps you close clients. Um, and I think that's a big change for us here in the in the in sort of the the financial consultation business. If we're saying that we're doing financial consultation, you're going to want to see that we've been having opinions, we've been having win streaks, we've been having successes for an extended period of time, and you want that sort of documented and presented in a way that's tasteful. So I think that for us, in terms of what I see, that's the biggest change that the the shorter time frame of perceiving marketing returns, um, we're trying to widen that because we think it'll help us be more effective and give a greater sort of digital presence and look to our businesses. Oh, I think that's really good advice, especially kind of weathering the storm. If there is a big storm to come, then if you have the longevity and you can show that you've been in business and you're sustainable and you've, like you said, had the content for a long period of time, that's going to that's gonna give you a lot more credit because, like you said, if there's somebody who just started, I mean, let's face it, if somebody just started a Facebook page yesterday, you're not likely going to want to, you know, engage or buy or, you know, listen to them because have no authority, right? They have no longevity to it. And so I think really that message that you're saying is stay the course, stick out your strategies and, and have a long-term gain, right? Like I, I would say marketing is a is a marathon, not a sprint, right? It's not going to happen overnight. And I think that that is definitely a, a good piece of advice for those listening, thinking, man, what I'm doing, you know, today is not going to showcase and be uh, fruitful until maybe even 12 months from now. Right. Absolutely. Another thing is be comfortable as your quality increases. One thing I used to notice at the startup is, let's say, for example, we're doing content, you know, like, let's say, for example, we're doing a cell phone. Right. So we're doing little cell phone vignettes with our CEO. We're putting it on the Instagram page. We're doing that for about three months. We do a little bit better. We go get a, a digital camera and now we're shooting the same vignettes, but we're doing it on a digital camera. The temptation for some businesses is to have sort of this uniformity of a look. So you want to take down the cell phone videos because you don't want it to affect your aesthetic. But the interesting thing is that leaving those videos up actually does better because it shows people that your business is improving and growing. They, 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 they in, in hindsight and in retrospect, will be part of your journey. And then the clients that you have from when you were doing the cell phone videos, now you go to the digital camera, then you go to the private office, then you go to a dedicated set, then you're going on location. They're seeing and being part of that journey. A lot of things that people are participating with or, or buying, 
they want to feel a personal sense of connection to that. And I think that, you know, business owners being confident to have sort of this time capsule of their progress in their online content or in their websites is something that I'm, I've, I've tried to encourage a lot of my friend entrepreneurs to do. Because again, the, 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 the secret suspicion and the desire is always to clean it up once you can spend more money on it. And I say, no, leave, leave what's up there from when you're on a tighter budget. It'll allow your consumer to be part of your journey. I love that so much. And we at Pepper Shack have a video production department and oftentimes people will give us their videos to clean up for them and then kind of transition, right? It's like the do it yourself, done with you, done for you model, right? And a lot of our clients came to us, oh, I just need help for editing and I shot it, but now you do this. And and then they kind of level up every time. And there is something to be said about having professional quality content produced and, and created when you want to level up the type of clientele that you're attracting as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Okay, Travel, tell me um, what are some resources or things that you tap into? You mentioned some different people that you follow or other podcasts and things, but give us some resources or tools or some advice that our listeners uh, should absolutely be listening to or reading or, you know, subscribing to. So I'm going to give something general. I, I, I always I always say this sort of when I ask, I answer it generally because, you know, books or people I follow might and might not work for you. But I think that a concept or a principle is more widely applicable. So, uh, you know, we talked about I used to play football. When I played football, we watch a lot of film. When you're watching film in any sport, you're either watching yourself or you're watching your opponent or you're watching highlight videos of people who do it the way you want to do it. Watching film called doing your homework. I think in business. Right? You're watching your competition, too. <laughs> or you're watching your competition, right? Yeah. In business, I don't think a lot of business owners watch enough film. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about looking at what your competitor is doing next door and trying to match them. I'm actually talking about taking it way, 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 way outside of that. Are you, are you watching and reading books from other CEOs? Are you looking at documentaries? Are you understanding the steps that they took to get where they are? Are you understanding where the steps they took to fail? I'm not just talking about the Bill Gateses. You know, you want to... You actually want to study up on the people who crash and burn. You want to see where they took their misstep, where that happened. Just download consistent levels of content of people who've either been in the space you've been in, doing it the way you want to do it, not doing it the way you want to do it. I call it watching film. And for me, that's a, that's a critical component of how we do business. Critical, critical component of how we do business because watching film allows us to say, okay, that method does work. Now, we're not going to be them. Why does it work for them? Maybe because they did their personality. Maybe because they did it uniquely. Maybe because they did it honestly. Okay, what does that look like for us? Okay, why didn't that work for them? And just consistently be having, you know, us as a team as well as our as our as our as our as our leadership deciding on our next steps based off how the steps have been taken in the past, as well as how they're being taken by our competitors. So an entirely holistic view. We're not in competition with anyone we are trying to present ourselves as the best version of us. So watching film is a key thing. Are you reading business profiles? I can't tell you how many, you know, how many people who operate in industries. And then I say, well, who's your, who's your inspiration? You're, you're in this, you're in this space. You know, who's the person that you're emulating? Who's the person that got you to fall in love with it? And a lot of CEOs and business owners don't have that. And I think, you know, sometimes that, that's, that's a bad thing. You know, you got a, you got a young kid who wants to play basketball. His game might be different. His game could be all over the place. But if you ask him, hey, why do you want to play basketball? He said, man, I grew up watching Michael Jordan. I, I, I used to love that feeling, right? I grew up watching LeBron James. I love that feeling. Or, you know, I grew up seeing Peyton Manning play play football, play quarterback. I love that feeling. You're not going to play like Peyton. You're not going to play like Jordan. You're not going to play like LeBron. 
But it's always important to know what what drove that love to watch those to, to watch that sense to give give yourself that feeling to remind yourself why you're in this space because I think it'll help you you know do the hard yards and the and the long work it takes to stick it out right. Average businesses you're gonna burn out. a lot of businesses burn out in the first three to five years. So I think once you get to three years, once you get to five years, you have to apply these little tricks of the trade, play tricks with your mind to give yourself an opportunity to continue to move forward with success. Oh, I love that watching other people succeed in what they've done and how they've done it is definitely, it definitely applies from the football film to the, to the business film, right? It's good. That's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you give me maybe an example of maybe just a kind of a, a success story of a business that you helped or an individual that you helped that you care to share that would be kind of a a, a look into how you've helped people succeed in, in what you're doing for them. Absolutely. So here in Canada, we're, we're very proud to work with a company called Hutsey Financial. It's an alternative banking solution. It's essentially no fee banking for Canadians. Now, Hutsey Financial was already a, a, it was a strong business. It had been on Dragon's Den here in Canada, which is our version of Shark Tank. They had received uh, a capital contribution from Dragon's End. So it's a, a great idea. And it's easy for us to sort of get on board once you see that an idea that good's been solidified with somebody else. The real success story of that, though, is this past year, we did a Drive 250 competition. Uh, it's online. It's on YouTube on our, on our, on our, on our webpage. Drive 250 competition where we did our own version of that, where we had businesses submit ideas over Instagram, shooting little vignettes. They got voted on every week. And then we brought the final three into Toronto to shoot a final show. As one of the judges, we brought on the CEO of Hutsey Financial, a gentleman named Tafari Bailey. And the real assistance is that Rent Proof, which is a, a business that allows Canadians to increase their credit by paying their rent. There's alternatives to that there in the US, but not so much here in Canada. And the idea that Hutsey was already in a place to be helping low-income Canadians increase their credit by making everyday payments on their debit card Sitting there, Rentproof wasn't quite in a position to win the competition, but they were in a position to greatly benefit from working with Hutsey. So for us, as a, as, a, as a venture company, to have invested in Hutsey to a point where they could you know, grow large enough, be self-sustaining, be one of the judges on our panel, and then be sitting in a room where a partnership between the Drive Group, Hutsey Financial, and Rentproof puts Rentproof in a position to enter the, the ecosystem, to be working for low-income Canadians, to be helping Hutsey members and clients. Of course, as a CEO, I love the fact that the bolsters my investment, but I more so like that we're creating a community of assistance that we were able to take a step that would help one business have an opportunity from another business that we were able to, able to help. So the proudest moment that we've had this year at the Drive Group is the partnership we were able to find um, in working with both Hutsey Financial and Rentproof. That's really cool. I love that story. And uh, yeah, like you said, like kind of like Shark Tank, but you call it the Dragon's Den. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can just picture it now stepping onto that platform to, to pitch and present and share. I mean, the nerves must have been going wild and to then kind of come through and see it through and see some success from it. That's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's so funny. I, with, with the startup, I tried to go to the Dragon's Den as well. I think people, what people don't know is, you submit a video, and then you have to go sit with the producers. Uh, you don't get to the judges right away. You go sit with the producers. They, they, they vet your idea. It's kind of a long day. You're sitting there with a bunch of people. 
in the waiting room, a bunch of different ideas, some that you look at and you think, my goodness, that's better than mine. They're 100% going to make money. And then you go in there and you're sitting with television producers. And it's and, and what you kind of realize about you know Dragons and Shark Tank, it's a mix of having a good business idea, but you got to be able to tell a good story. It's got to be entertaining. It's got to be a good cut of TV. And you know the skill of an entrepreneur to go into that room and paint the picture with just words and, and then you know or present a demo uh, it truly is a unique skill. So I'm, I'm, I recommend everyone, if, you know, they say some people, oh, they have a hard time pitching. I say, you know, if, if you're having a startup, if you're in a tech business, even if you have a well-established business, pitching and selling is part of the primary goal. So you as the founder don't need to be the sales guy uh, or a woman, but you better have the sales guy or woman on speed dial because it's always going to come down to that at the end of the day. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Pitching, presenting, <laughs> All of the things, uh, that's really good advice for anybody that wants to be able to make any kind of money whatsoever. You got to be able to tell that story and be able to share it and practice, right? Mm -hmm. I always say practice makes progress. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Travel, any other final thoughts that you'd like, um, maybe some advice and then also how people can get in, in touch with you if they're interested in learning more from you? I think... The first bit of advice I'll say, marketing is like Kung Fu. Uh, there's more than one way to do it. Uh, every discipline, if properly applied, can be effective. Uh, just be confident enough to try things. You know, uh, I had a friend once say that marketing is like fashion, which is bold decisions made with confidence. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's always more than one way to, to skin a cat. So from a marketing perspective, I think everybody's always trying to figure it out. I don't think anybody knows a true tried formula of something that will always work, but you, al you always have to try something to stumble on what will work. So um, that's what I'd say about marketing. I think from a business perspective, you know, just always remember to be in love with what you're doing. Um, that's how you fight longer than possible. You stay longer than possible. You survive longer than possible. You push longer than possible. And, and that's what it takes um, to really see the finish line, that, 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 that sort of blind perseverance and endurance. Um, then I guess as a final component, uh, Sundays Sundays are for football, so don't, don't you know? Don't hesitate to, uh, to 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 kick your feet up and enjoy uh, enjoy this upcoming season. It, it should be a good one. In terms of how to find us, you can find us on Instagram, the Drive Group Inc. That's at the Drive Group Inc. You can find me on Instagram as well. It's Triv T R I V Simpson S I M P S O N. That's on Instagram. And if you want to skip all that and just go straight to our website, it's going to be www.thedrivegroup.ca. Again, www.thedrivegroup.ca. And other than that, I just thank you so much for the opportunity and the conversation. Absolutely. So I realize you just go by Triv then, huh? Our family calls you Travel though, huh? <laughs> Everybody calls me Travel. The thing was, I figured if I put Travel Simpson on Instagram, people would get tired before they finish and never find me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. My full name is Rihanna, but no one calls me that. They just go by, I just go by Ray. So I, I completely understand. <laughs> it's a difficulty. It's a difficulty. <laughs> well, Travel, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and all of the information that you gave to us here. And for those of you listening, uh, the best thing that you can do for us is share this podcast with others that you know and give us a review because that's like gold. And uh, yeah, again, thanks, Travel. Thank you kindly. Thank you kindly. And until next time, enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. 
Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.